Hello, I'm Matt. <laughs> Hi, I'm Rachel. And I'm Matt. Welcome to the Strange and Beautiful Book Club. It is time for the final episode of our Vampires of 1979. Are you sad? Look sad. But like but sound I'm sad because we're not a visual podcast. That's true. <laughs> Use your imagination. <laughs> Matt made a frowny face. <laughs> but like the worst acted frowny face I've ever seen. He's like, what have you made me endure? <laughs> <laughs> so, Vlad Tepish. Vlad Tepish. Okay, so this is one of, of course, the vampire movies released in 1979, but it feels a little unfair to call this a vampire movie. What was the one we watched where they couldn't actually fill it, film it in? Oh, oh, it was Nosferatu the Vampire, the Herner Furzog one. Yeah. Where they were not actually allowed to film it in Transylvania, in Romania, because at the time they were not allowing anything to be filmed that did not paint Vlad in a positive light. And then apparently they made their own movie that was like, we're going to make our own movie with Dracula as a cool dude, not a bad guy. A great, strong ruler. They're like a strong ruler. So it's kind of documentary-ish. Apparently, it was commissioned under Nikolai Ceausescu. Ceausescu, thank you. The second and final leader of the Communist Republic of Romania. And his intent was to fulfill a promise he made in this really famous speech of his, um, which is probably more famous if you are like a history major at all. So if I get any of this incorrect... Um, I study things that don't actually happen. I don't study things that do. So You used to study things that happen. I know. I, I don't mind history. Um, but I don't, I mean, I don't know. We're from America. We learned like, hey guys, today we're going to talk about how America was the best <laughs> um, in, in this year. Oh, have we talked about how America saved the world in this year yet? So... Um, you don't get to hear about, I didn't even know Romania was communist at one point, and now I do. And apparently he had what is known as the July Thesis, where he came up with these 17 tenets or 17 things he wanted to have happen, which were, um, he kind of formulated this list after having visited the People's Republic of China, um, the North Korea, North Vietnam, and Mongolia, so a lot of the other communist countries at the time. And he really wanted to, I mean, it was a good goal. He wanted to improve, like, the leadership of the party. Uh, this is Ceausescu. Ceausescu, okay. yeah. And he wanted to improve, like, party education, mass political education. Um, I'm reading Wikipedia right now, so this is kind of plagiarism. 
citing source, Wikipedia, uh, youth, participa youth participation on large construction projects, some more patriotic work. He really wanted to kind of uh, create nationalistic spirit in a nutshell. And one of the ways he was hoping to do this was by reclaiming the image of Vlad Tepes as a powerful ruler who was also of the people and beloved by the people. And we know from historical documents that Vlad was a bit of a dick. I mean, he's not... To put it mildly. He's not Vlad the let me take you out for lunch and discuss policy. He's Vlad the big hugger. <laughs> Vlad the... Um, High fiver. Can I come in for another? Can I come in for another kiss? No, he is Vlad the impaler. And not the fun kind of impaling that you can do consensually. The I poke you with sticks and I put you outside as a warning. That's what he was. Um, and it's interesting that they were like, yeah, but he was like a good leader. I mean, really, it's like we, it, it, okay, here's a good example. Say FDR was like 300 years ago. Mm -hmm. Oh, in this case, 500 years ago. Say FDR was like 500 years ago. And he had become renowned not for all of the positive change like the, or, you know, the stuff that he did to get America out of the Great Depression. But he becomes known for the fact that he probably maybe hid some wartime communication to try to draw the United States into the war when they didn't really want to join the war, which is kind of a diddy, diddy know Pearl Harbor was going to get bombed and he was like, I'm going to let this happen, you know, but, but he maybe became known as being a warmonger. Yeah. So yeah. Oh, well, like maybe Teddy Roosevelt too, like mm -hmm. remembered only for the evil you did. You, right. Right. And somebody, some random Irish dude, visits a castle and is like, oh, I fucking got it. And writes a story all about how FDR is actually an evil robot and he kills people and he creates this super archetypal story that then gets copied, recopied, remixed, we'll, we'll redone. We'll call this guy uh, Clam Poker. <laughs> And then all of a sudden, this national hero is not known for any of what he actually did, not known for being like one of our few. Well, you, you can imagine in Romania, you start hearing, oh, everybody around the world is talking about our great hero, Vlad. Dracula, let's, sweet. Let's look into what what are they saying about yeah. our great, our country's great uh, military hero yeah. and ru political ruler, Vlad. What are the stories they're telling about him? Oh, right. Yeah, that he's an evil vampire. And <laughs> That's a problem. He goes to London and he acts like the most petulant little... Okay, I read Dracula. Like, this is a good place to just... I read Dracula because I was like, there's no way I can talk about all of these adaptations of Dracula and just sit here like... I can't sit through Dracula. I've never been able to read Dracula. Every time I sit down to read it, I'm like, I would literally rather be doing anything else. So I sat down and made myself read Dracula so that I could have an informed opinion. You've been building up the ability to force yourself to read books yeah. that you're not necessarily enjoying in the moment. And it's relatively short. 
And it's a uh, epistolary. Is that the word for it? It's all. That sounds right. Um, journals, letters, and I guess there's a service you can sign up for because they're all dated. There's a service you can sign up for where they email you the chunk um, that happens on that day throughout a whole year. Oh, interesting. Yeah, so you could get journal entries in order and letters and all kinds of stuff. And the conclusion I've come to is that why did we ever think Dracula was terrifying? He's like the biggest knobhead. <laughs> He's so ridiculous. Like, okay, so he does the whole thing where he moves to England. And I actually, like a bunch of the stuff we've seen use direct quotes, but like nobody uses the same direct quotes, which is really weird. Like the Frank Langella Dracula, where he says, no, no, I want to be among the whirl and rush of humanity. That's a direct quote. But he says it to um, Harker when he's back at his castle. And he's kind of creepy in a I have taken you hostage way in a way I don't think ever really gets portrayed in any of the adaptations we saw because he actually gets Jonathan Harker to write a bunch of post-dated letters that are like, oh, I'm leaving in a week. Oh, I'm on my way, honey. Oh, I've arrived at this port. Oh, I'll be home in a week. And he's like, oh, no, just write them all. Date them. These the following dates. And then go ahead and address them and give them to me. And what I'm going to do is I'm just going to mail them. And so literally in the book, Jonathan Harker is like, great. Now I know the dates of my death. Like this is, what I'm, this is how much longer I have to live because he's dated all these letters. But then he's like, I can't leave. And it's the classic. He's standing next to the barred door looking out the giant floor to ceiling window like, I wish I could get outside this castle somehow. I just don't understand. How am I supposed to leave the doors locked? Which they accurately portray in some of the film adaptations. Yeah. <laughs> He's like, look, I can't, I can't possibly get out this window. And actually, he kind of, anyway, um, I feel like that was portrayed best probably in the Herner Vertzog one. Because uh, that's the one where we're not sure if the castle is real or if it's a dream. And he actually spends some time kind of like trying to leave. But there's yeah, it's a all guy very with, surreal. Surreal. There's a guy with a violin. It's all kind of creepy. He actually tries to throw a letter out the window because there's a bunch of um, like gypsies, Romani people. And he ends up throwing a letter out and throwing postage and is like, can you please just go mail this for me? And so the guy's like, cool. And he takes the letter and the postage and gives it to Dracula. And Dracula's like, my friend, I, I thought we had an understanding. And Jonathan Harker's like, we didn't, though. And he basically is like, if you stay in your room, you're going to be fine. We're best friends. But if you sleep somewhere else in the castle, I literally cannot vouch for your safety. So at one point, he's like, well, I'm going to do what I want. So he goes and tries to sleep in the study, and that's when the women pop up. And Dracula's like, back, beasties. And he gives him a baby. He's like, here, eat this. It's like a snack. And later, uh, a woman comes to the castle crying because her baby's been stolen. And she's like, you, you fed your baby. You fed my baby to your wives. And he's like, oh, God, is this again? And then he has her eaten by wolves. So it's not not horrific. It's just like by the time we get to sweet, adorable Mina and Lucy who are precious, tiny little children gems who can do no wrong and who uh, 
wings of angels rustle every time they open their mouths, and they're just so smart and sweet and careful and kind and gentle, and they take care of all of these big strapping burly men that are trying to save them. And there's a point where Lucy gets kind of lured out of her room, a la the Dracula from the 90s, except maybe without the bestiality. Because he's just bending over her. He's not, mm-hmm. you know, plow driving her as a as a werewolf guy. Um, so, you know, that kind of happens. And then she's like, oh, I appear to have taken up sleepwalking. And so they try to lock her door. And they're like, this is going to be fine. He can't get in. We've locked the door. Um, do open the window, though. It's stuffy in here. <laughs> windows are so not a means of entering or entry, exiting enters through the window right and so they're like ah shit he got in and so ultimately van helsing arrives and he's the one who is first kind of he he figures it out quick but he doesn't tell anybody for a while so he's like oh just put this garlic everywhere and uh, or they call it mountain rose and he's like, just put this everywhere. Don't open the window. Keep the door locked. And I'm sure she's going to recover soon. It's medicinal. You know, the, the scent is medicinal. And they're British, so they all hate the smell of garlic. They're like, oh, God, garlic. I literally. Spices. <laughs> like, and so they keep opening the window. And then she keeps getting worse. And he's like, fucking stop. So finally, he's like, there is an evil monster that is trying to kill her. And it's repelled by garlic. Leave the fucking window locked. And they're like, God, fine. Jesus, but I still hate the smell of garlic. And so every time she starts to get better, she gets a transfusion three times. That's how long this goes on. Dracula is in a place where he could just move on. There are plenty of women who do not have Van Helsing barring the window in the door with garlic day in and day out. He could have moved on. He does not move on because he is a child and he is stuck were there no women of, in Transylvania? I, he leaves, I think, because um, they all know who he is. So they're all doing it all the time. And he's like, oh, this sucks. It's too hard. Now. Oh, they're doing the garlic thing all it's the like time. It's like hard mode. He wanted to go back to easy mode. So gotcha. he moved to London. And so he's like, meh. And he's not actually in London. Anyway, it doesn't matter. So Lucy eventually turns into a vampire because he just doesn't leave her alone long enough. They can't keep giving her transfusions enough. She finally turns into a vampire. And then she goes out and starts eating children because what would a sweet, adorable baby woman made into a vampire do except eat sweet, adorable children? (laughs) But he's Dracula really comes across as like the kid who only wants the candy he's not allowed to have. (laughs) And it sort of robbed. I didn't like Dracula already. And there were definitely parts of it where I was like, okay, that's not horrible. And then I read it and I was like, I I don't understand the hold that this, okay, you know what, maybe, you know, sometimes we talk about, I'm working this out in real time. Thank you for being here with me for this. Do you know how sometimes we talk about, okay, this movie feels dated and horrible. Why does everybody love it? Well, it's the, the first It's the archetype. It feels done and tired because it was so groundbreaking and influential that there were good, interesting aspects of this story, but the good, interesting parts have been reused so many times that they are now part of the trope. Yeah. And I mean, when they do finally go to get him, he leads them on quite the merry chase. It's, it's good. And it's a really long, I mean, he takes 50 boxes of earth with him. So he's a planner. 
Yeah, so they spend a while trying to figure out where he's put them all. And they get him down to one box. And then he's like, fuck you. And he, he takes off to leave because he's like, I'm not waiting around. Sort of like I also read Salem's Lot. And in Salem's Lot, I would liken the Kurt Barlow character very much to the way that Dracula is portrayed in the Dracula story, where he's eloquent, but he's also a little bit feral. Mm -hmm. And... Yeah, I think that's actually a really good... Yeah, because in the movie, the Salem's Lot movie that we watched, um, Kurt Barlow is basically Nosferatu. He's even got the rat teeth. And in the book, Kurt Barlow is like eloquent and intelligent, but feral. So when they go back to the Marston house to try to kill him, it's not like, oh, he's hiding behind the secret wooden door in the plaster wall that no one will ever be able to find. He's left. He's like, oh, he leaves them a letter and he's like, gentlemen, I'm well aware you were coming to look for me today. I do apologize I wasn't here to greet you, but it came to my attention that you were going to be coming to try to find me during the day and it's just not when I'm at my best. So I've decided to retreat for now. And I'm certain we'll be meeting again soon. I look forward to it. Yours, love, like hugs and kisses, Kurt Barlow. So, Kurt. So, that was really cool. Dracula in the book, I don't know, he feels like a mashup of all of the adaptations we've watched, including Love at First Bite. The the comedy one. <laughs> Where he just in Salem's lot. Where he travels across the entire world just to be with this woman was woman because he saw her in a magazine. Mm-hmm. He was like, Yeah, I gotta have that. That's basically his character in a nutshell. Is like, no, I gotta have the thing, you know, that thing. And Jonathan does not become a vampire like he does in Nosferatu the Vampire. Spoiler alert. In fact, he doesn't even get fed on by the women. He just leaves and he ends up with brain fever. I can't remember how. I don't know. He goes on like a journey. And by the time he gets back, a lot's happened. So in summary, the Romanian people are hearing (laughs) about the version of Dracula in Bram Stoker's book. Yeah. And... Sorry, I got they a lot don't... of red thread growing right now. Like, you know, the I've got all my pins yeah. in the board and I got to connect them all with red thread. Yes. Thank and you. so they didn't like it. No. Particularly Ceausescu didn't Ceausescu, like it. Yes. So he wanted to reclaim the image, the reputation, the honor of Vlad Tepes. And so he made this movie. So he made this movie in response. Which, despite the fact that it has some really stunning costumes... I would liken to watching paint dry. <laughs> it's very much like when you're watching something like a a thing on the History Channel. Yeah. And they have these little clips where they've dramatized some historical event or yeah. just like you know, two minutes of, oh, here's this king in his court talking to his people – and this is how things might have looked and the way they might have talked and yeah. whatever. Except it's an hour and 48 minutes long. Yeah. Kudos for finding a guy that looks probably exactly like Vlad Tepes looked like, though. With the nose and the hats. Someone was 
tasked with recreating all of his hats, and they did a phenomenal job. It is not in English. It's in Romanian. You have to find subtitles. They are dodgy. But it wasn't... Uh, I feel like this is exactly the same way I would feel trying to watch Oppenheimer. It felt very <laughs> just, like, linear. And there's not a narrative here. There's it, not, like... Yeah. It's a historical A gripping retelling. story. Yeah. It's a dramatized historical account. There was some pretty cool scenes. Like he rides up on a group of people, you know, another army. And one of the opposing army kills the Lord. Yeah. One of the like lieutenants kills the leader. Yeah. Abbreviating the battle because now the guy they were all fighting for is skewered. And so he's like, cool, thanks. Now kill that guy with the spear he killed the Lord with. And he's like, no, I did that for you. And he's like, I didn't ask you to. Poke the man. <laughs> Vlad the poker. Vlad the poker. Oh, we're not helping. They tried to reclaim it and we're like, fuck you. You don't get it back. We get to keep it. <laughs> I'm so sorry. <laughs> I mean, I get it. I get it. They're like, no, this was a person. You know what this kind of feels like? This, this feels like, remember Dracula Untold? <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, you've made me watch it multiple times. <laughs> it's one of my favorite Dracula movies. I regret nothing. So Dracula Untold, it's like Vlad Tepish and um, Frank Langella's Dracula had a baby. Because it's like, look, he was a great ruler. He was a man of the people. He really, really didn't like... Um, Poking people. <laughs> I mean, he did it. <laughs> Because it was important to him that he do it. He was good at it, but he didn't enjoy it. That w right. It wasn't his calling in life. <laughs> <laughs> it was something that he had to do that he turned out he was very competent at. Yeah. I was going to say he doesn't like that. And I was trying to remember the ethnicity of the people that he fights in. Because all I can remember, it's the British guy that for a while there they were casting is just everybody. He's in Preacher. He's in... Um, He's in Dracula Untold as the Turks. Thank you, Rachel, for helping me with that. He's the Turkish leader guy. Remember, because he has the whole room full of silver, and he fights him in the room full of silver. Yeah, okay. That's historically accurate, so it's fine if you didn't keep up with that. I'm pretty sure that's what happened at the end. Um. Anyway, so to me, it kind of felt like this movie was like a he was a great leader. Look how cool he was. And then we just took that idea and they were like, cool, yeah, but what if he still turned into a vampire? Can he be a good guy who also turned into a vampire? Can we spice this up a little bit? And it's interesting. The strength to do both. <laughs> it's interesting that they were like, we take him back. And we were like, cool, y you can keep him. We want the fictional one. Because I feel like even if you try to watch a documentary about Vlad, um... It's all like, yeah, okay, he was a leader, but God, do you guys know how shitty he was? <laughs> he, like, impaled people. He did some, like, he was the only ruler at the time who did fucked up shit, right? Yeah. Like, the king of England didn't wall two children into the wall in the Tower of London because they were next in line to the throne, and that's what you do. They all did it because they they had they were they were the billionaires of their time. 
Yes. 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 They were they, the billionaires of their time. And they, they did whatever they had to do to exploit the masses to maintain their status. Right. They had no one to whom they were beholden. They could do whatever they wanted to. And that kind of power drives people mad. Although, did you see that um, Bezos has promised to give away all like $145 billion? No, I have not seen but that. But he made the announcement like Christmas morning and somebody was like, well, somebody got visited by three ghosts. <laughs> <laughs> so this was the end of our journey through 1979, clearly, because I just spent, I don't know, Matt had to derail me from my, ooh, but this is like this movie and that is like that movie, which was like this book, which is not like, the book was not like yeah, the movie. I, I waited like, until you... Finished the broad strokes of Dracula, yeah, the book. You did. And then made some connections. And then I could see you you had turned around and you were go <laughs> you were going the wrong way on the highway. The GPS was rerouting. You had to give it a minute. <laughs> Recalculating. Um that's because I was spiraling on the whole like the whole thought process of because we've consumed a lot of Dracula content and I feel like every single one took a tiny piece, but nobody ate the whole pie. And I'm not sure why nobody has ever eaten the whole pie. And I was thinking through all of the Dracula adaptations that I have watched, including the 1993, I think, one, which I think arguably is one of the most popular ones. You know, the one where Keanu Reeves is Keanu Gary Reeves. Gary Oldman as Dracula. And Gary Oldman as Dracula. And I think it's because it romanticizes Dracula. Yes. And in the book, nah, not even a little bit. It's basically he only starts eating Mina because Lucy did. And Lucy got staked, and he's like, well, that's boring. And so he switches to Mina. And he gets a couple of weird lines where he's like, don't worry, I've already tasted her, and blah, blah, blah. Which is always, like, gross. Can we not with the tasting? <laughs> um, Yeah, and I think it's interesting that there were all these movies, and literally none of them were like, can we just adapt the book? <laughs> It's not like so much happens in the book that you couldn't adapt it. It's kind of the same uh, plot beats as the 90s one where it's like Dracula is in Transylvania or Romania, Wallachia, whatever. He comes to London. He fucks around London for a little while, kills Lucy, munches on Mina for a bit, and then they figure out that Mina's getting eaten. So they're like, oh, hell no, you don't get our second beloved baby Doll, but it's, child, but it's combined with like some of the plot beats from Love Bites where he's in his castle <laughs> and he sees the image of this woman in no. England. Nope. It's just a crime of proximity. I'm talking about in the Gary Oldman. Oh, oh no. Dracula. I'm talking about the movie. I mean, the book. Because the book is really simple. The book oh, does I the like. I thought we were talking about the movie. Yeah, even in the movie, they give him motivation. He doesn't have any motivation. Oh yeah, in the book, he, yeah, nothing. Yeah, he's like, oh, you know Jonathan Harker? I knew Jonathan Harker. I'm gonna fucking kill you. Basically, is how it goes. And then once they figure out that he's eating Mina, he's like, well, peace out. And so he heads back to Romania to try to get back to his castle where he's safe. And they uh, kill him. Oh, he goes back to his grave and he's like, woo. Dodge that bullet. And they're like, and then his grave says, like, Dracula here with an arrow. And they're like, sweet. And so they just <laughs> stake him in his grave. <laughs> and all of his women, they stake them in the grave, too. So I don't know. 
I don't know why nobody has tried to do just the movie. Why do we need? To, I don't know. I'm trying to get at what I'm trying to get at here. We either romanticize him and we drop a whole bunch of stuff or we make him just a horrific rat man like in the Nosferatu ones. Maybe it's because the Dracula character in the book isn't narratively compelling. It could be. I think he could be just a good horrific character. Like a bad dude. Just like not a one-dimensional like I'm evil because I love spreading chaos, but just like I'm literally so selfish. I'm not I'm so unconcerned about what my actions are doing to other people. That he's that kind of villain, which is plenty villainous, especially if you're like I don't care how my actions affect other people and I eat people. So cool. I mean, like he's a ready-made package of simple, fun, horrific hijinks. And yet we're either like, but what if he knew how to love? Or we're like, what if he was nonverbal and it was his front teeth? (laughs) (laughs) It's one or the other. I don't know why we've never struck in the middle. I don't know. It's an interesting question because I feel like we've gone through a lot of adaptations, except one of them we watched was not an adaptation at all. Right? I am now struggling to remember all the movies that we watched because <laughs> we did Frank Langella's Dracula. Right. We did there was... Nosferatu the Vampire. We did Love at First Bite. We did Dracula Blows is Cool. That one wasn't even attempt to. That wasn't right. even like and a then there was the, the flirt other one, with the Dracula movie. The lady. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And her father was Dracula, right? At least she traveled. Yeah. She kind of traveled. I guess, no, Dracula Blows is Cool was not. It was just like, what if they made his castle into a sex den and he still lived in the basement? <laughs> um, Just a side note, that is one of our most popular movies ever. Our in, podcast episodes. Yeah, our most popular podcast episodes ever in Saudi Arabia. So shout out to my Saudi Arabia friends. Who enjoy Dracula Blows is cool. I bought the DVD on Amazon. If it's available anywhere, it's probably available on Amazon. So, FYI. I just think that's so, like, Dracula Blows is cool. But this was fun. I'm glad we did a theme. I'm happy with the theme. I feel like the theme was was good. It, it gave was a us good direction. Strategy. Yeah, yeah, and I feel like even as whimsical as it was, because let's all face it, it was me going, let's do this thing. And you were like, like you literally can't stop her, so it's fine. Um, it was good. I enjoyed it. How do you feel? Do you feel like you've learned more about Dracula through this process? How could I not? <laughs> it was fine. I, it's not what I would pick to watch myself it but took you out of your comfort is, zone this whole endeavor is an effort for us to get to know each other better through through exposure to yeah various horrific media. things <laughs> horrific <laughs> things all right favorite movie and why favorite movie of the group and why I love doing that to you because you're like, I don't remember anything we've ever watched ever. I've got nothing in my head. No thoughts. I'll go first. Uh, oh, no, no. Oh. I, I, the thing that popped in my head was Dracula Blows is cool. <laughs> Boobs. Boobs. <laughs> you can say that. It's fine. It's our podcast. 
I was just debating whether that was the... Um, Get it all in now before we join the Wondering <laughs> Network. <laughs> we can't say boobs ever again. <laughs> Female secondary sex characteristics, just all over the place. Primary sex characteristics, all over the place. So Dracula Blows is Cool was your favorite? Sheer number of dick jokes, Dracula Blows is Cool. Yeah, I'm trying to remember what the other ones were. Frank Langella's Dracula, which I think was batting yeah. it high for a really long time. I did like that one. The best story was Frank Langella's Dracula. Yeah, I think the best portrayal of Dracula, for me, still gets Frank Langella. Yeah. yeah. As much as I was like, he could just be horrific, I really like the way he's both romantic but a little bit feral. But you're not sure if the romanticism is part of the con. That was good. Right. Or is is it even a con? Yeah. You don't yeah. know. You don't know if he's playing fucking with her or if it's legitimately how he feels. And I think that was a really good one. And then I think funniest for me was um, Love at First Bite. Even not getting all of the jokes. It was the most like, okay, we know what we're doing. We know this is a comedy. Let's make it funny. But not make it not play to the comedy so hard that the movie itself no longer makes sense. So we got yeah. some really smart comedy. Whereas Dracula Blows is cool, it was really funny. We got some really funny double entendres, but it was just, it was an hour and a half of boobs and dick jokes <laughs> was what it was. <laughs> and then Nocturna was funny. I'm not sure Nocturna was intended to be as funny as it actually was, but Gollum being a creepy ass motherfucker was probably the most traumatizing thing to come out of this whole experience. I will never be able to sit through the episode of or like the movie The Hobbit the ever again. Hobbit. Yeah. When he's telling riddles to Bilbo and we're like, get the fuck out. That dude's gross. <laughs> he gross. <laughs> the line, I'm so turned on or I'm so easily aroused when I go to the country, cows will have to wear brassiers will haunt me. For the rest of my <laughs> life. <laughs> yeah, he must have ad-libbed lines. I don't think they I gave can't him imagine, a script. I can't imagine someone writing that out as it like, oh, I just thought of a funny <laughs> joke. I'm going to put it in my script. I think what they gave him instead of a script was just a sheet of gold stars for him to give himself every time he did. It felt like he did a really good job. <laughs> And he never used even one of them. <laughs> <laughs> and yes, I don't know if we mentioned it, but the scene that Matt thought maybe was actually her just walking along in New York was actually her just walking in New York yeah. with a hidden camera and a mic. And all the people she interacts with on the street are actually just random people that probably never even knew they were in a movie. Yeah. I mean, there's no expectation of privacy in a public place, but still. So... Yeah, I think that's a good place to wrap this up. I think I'm happy to move on to other things, but I'm glad we did it. Uh, would you rewatch any of these movies? It's okay if you say Dracula Blows is cool. <laughs> we do uh, own it on DVD probably now. Probably not. Maybe I should auction off our copy of Dracula Blows is cool. So many red dots on the back, you guys. Just folks. Uh, <laughs> The back is just one long censorship. <laughs> There's just nothing. 
Yeah. Uh, I guess it earned some kind of censorship number. Like, that's the only trivia about it is the, like, censorship. Uh, because it was so gratuitous? Yeah, it got censored in Italy, I gather. And so the only thing in the trivia is just, like, here's the censorship number it was given. So it must have been, like, get the fuck out of here. There's too many tits. <laughs> And everyone's like, what? I'm sorry. What movie was that? Just for research. So I can know not to go see it. <laughs> Which one was that? The 70s were a wild time. They were a wild, wild moment. And someone was telling me I need to go watch Saltburn. And I'm like, I'm not sure I can watch anything that will be as fucked up as some of the just, like, thirst the one where the lady with the metal knife teeth and the mustache guy rented Tom Selleck, where she ended yes. up like getting brainwashed into mm -hmm. joining this group of people who may or may not have, who may have been vampires, may have just been aristocrats. Really difficult to say. Um, wow, I kind of actually forgot about that one. And then it just popped back in my head like, no, there was another one you forgot to talk about. And it was Thirst. The Ozploitation one. Can we be blamed? It was a really long, long theme. Mm -hmm. But from here, we're going to start talking about some more sci-fi. I'm doing like a year's journey through sci-fi in books, so I'm going to be doing that. I'm going to be putting up full blog posts about it on our Patreon, which I'll just put for free. So you can follow us as a free member on Patreon and catch up with my blog. Or I have it on Instagram. So either way you want to do it is fine. Although I'll probably just put snippets on Instagram. And we're going to be doing some more sci-fi books, which we just put up our list of books that we're going to be reading for the next six months. And they are all sci-fi. And then we're going to just kind of be doing some more maybe Matt gets to pick it as revenge on me from forcing him to watch uh, nine vampire movies in a row. Eight vampire movies in a row. A lot of vampire yeah. movies in a row. Yeah. So and then we're going to talk about Children of Dune. Because we finished Children of Dune. And once we talk about Children of Dune, we get to watch the miniseries. <laughs> and I'm so excited because the Children of Dune miniseries is, I again, one of my favorite adaptations of anything ever. Just like the sci-fi adaptation of Dune is one of my favorite ever. And I've actually been seeing some buzz about it. So I'm really stoked that it's getting some love. Um, so if you haven't seen it, go and watch it or listen to our episodes about it. Either one. Both, preferably. Because... It's phenomenal. It's exact. It's like a masterclass in how you adapt a book like Dune. And I think that's about it. Unless you have something else you want to say. Uh, nope. Just remember, sometimes the strangest things are the most beautiful too. So be who you are and love what you love. And thanks for coming on this journey through 1979 with us. Until next time, friends. Bye. Bye.